The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. We are live here on the MMA Industry Podcast. I am your host, James Lynch, and today is March 3rd, and I've got a great guest here today, one of my good friends uh, who is uh, just killing it content-wise in this industry. Of course, I'm talking about Matthew Wells. He is the uh, co-host of the Slip and Dip Podcast. He's also a contributor to Fansided, and he's got a lot of other cool things going on, but we'll talk to him about that. But Matt, first off, how are you doing today, man? How are you? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor, man. I'm a big fan of your content. You're, you're pumping out so much stuff. Like it pales into comparison what we're doing, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I've been a big fan of, of your work and, and everything for a while now. And of course we've gotten to meet in person and it's always fun hanging out with you. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Um, what I'm trying to remember the first event. Was it UFC 196? Was that the first one we met at or was it UFC 200? I'm trying to remember. Ah, oh, man, I don't remember. I, I do remember being backstage together at 200 yeah. um, more so. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, no. 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 I agree. I agree. Oh, we'll, we'll just yeah. we'll just say UFC 200. But we'll the time I really remember you was obviously at UFC uh, 206 in Toronto, which was great. Uh, we we all get to hang out. Uh, you know, you, me, Jim Edwards. Um, you know, it was uh, it was really good to to get to cover that event with you. And that's you know I've said this so many times on the show. That is one of the fun parts of covering UFC events is you get to reunite with all these people you're friends with that you talk to all the time online, but you don't actually get to hang out with them. So that's uh, that's a huge perk to to that. So, um, but uh, let's talk about you. Um, we'll start right at the beginning. Where did the interest in uh, combat sports start? Um, how did uh, MMA sort of get on your radar? Wow. Um, MMA first got on my radar uh, kind of randomly. You know, um, I've always been a fan of, obviously, like martial arts movies and stuff like that. But the first time I remember seeing MMA was a Kevin Randleman fight at my uncle's house. And it was just it just happened to be on TV, you know, flipping through the channels. And I was like, Kevin Randleman, this dude looks like a freaking action figure, man. Like, what is this? And then I remember watching the rest of that event. I don't recall which event it was. Um, I believe it was like on a replay or something like that. But pretty much from that point, it was like I got hooked on it. And, um, you know, I started watching more events, paying attention to more and more characters that are in the sport. And, you know, fast forward to 2018, it's like I'm I'm backstage talking to these guys, doing interviews and stuff like that. It's kind of crazy. I never thought I would be this ingrained into the sport, but it, it's pretty cool, man, to to be on this journey and, and following these guys' careers and and paying attention to a sport that I've not only trained for myself, you know, eventually as well. You know, I put about three and a half years into the, on, on the mats, you know, so doing some work like that as well. And it's just, you know, it, it's crazy following these careers, man. The sport is amazing. Um, one of my favorite, you know, things Joe Rogan says is, you know, why – you know, it's, it's so, so captivating is because the stakes are always high, you know, because every single time these guys step in the cage, lives can be changed, not only like physically, but, you know, financially as well. So it's, it's, it's such a high risk sport, uh, high reward. And um, at the end of the day, like the guy that leaves that cage, you know, either KO'd or, you know, submitted or whatever, it, it's, it's rough for those guys, man. When, when the lights go out and the, and the, and you know, the, the curtain goes down, it's like, it, it, it can be a dark place for these guys sometimes. And, you know, that's why, that's why we love the sport though. You know, it, yeah. it, it's, high, it's high risk. It's high risk through and through. 
Yeah, and I think it takes a different type of person to not only be a fighter, but also to cover the sport as well, too. Uh, you know, I've talked Absolutely. to so many people who, uh, you know, just the, the amount of time and dedication you put into a sport that really doesn't pay that well. I mean, that's that's the honest truth. You're not going to you don't see any millionaires uh, covering the sport. But uh, we were talking a bit off air. Uh, you have a really cool day job. And, uh, you know, I, you're a good example of, of someone I wanted to get on here just because I think a lot of people that are covering the sport that aren't working for, you know, the huge sites are, you know, working full time jobs. They're doing this on the side. Um, how have you been able first off, I guess, w- Tell people the job you have because it's pretty badass, man. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So um, it's a gig I landed back in November. Um, I work for Panini America. Anybody familiar with the sports trading card industry knows who Panini is. And uh, basically my role there is I'm on the uh, illustration and uh, color correction team. So pretty much every sports trading card, you know, obviously has a photo. And uh, basically my role is I go in there and color correct the photos for the design of the card. Um, and we also do some illustrations as well. So original artwork and stuff like that, that goes onto cards and posters and things like that, that you see. Um, it's a pretty cool gig, man. It's pretty cool. It, it was one of those things I was holding out hope for, you know, to land a type of role like that. And I was able to do it. And, um, you know, unfortunately we don't have, you know, the UFC license, so we, we don't make UFC products. Uh, that's, that's tops that has that right now, but, uh, who knows what, what could happen in the future? Yeah. If so, that would be pretty sweet to be able to connect both my worlds. Yeah, and, and and for those who haven't picked up, it's in your Twitter handle. It's uh, something I've known about you for a while. You you are an artist. I mean, that is that is one of your big passions. Uh, did that start at a really early age, or did that uh, come sort of later? Well, that that came from my dad because my dad's an artist. He's a, he's been a sports artist. Um, I'm wearing a shirt right now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's been a sports artist. He's always done sports art, selling directly to athletes. So you know, he'll do original artwork for. Um, for you know football players basketball players baseball players mostly baseball these days um but all of his stuff is original artwork he's an airbrush and colored pencils and things like that and and i was always you know just over the shoulder you know on the art desk you know just watching just watching and then you know eventually i start picking it up more and more i'm doing the airbrush thing now as well of course the digital art so it's just something that's that's always been around me so yeah it's definitely been a passion of mine and I got to bring this up just because it's it's a cool tidbit. But, uh, you know, sports runs pretty deep in your family. Uh, you have a pretty famous brother, uh, especially in these parts of the, the woods where I'm from here in uh, Toronto. Uh, your brother's Vernon Wells, the uh, the baseball player. Um, how, how cool was that, you know, growing up with a, with a brother who, uh, you know, made it big in, in the world of baseball? Yeah, it was it was amazing, man. It was amazing. Um, it, it was surreal because um, I remember being back in, you know, in middle school and whatnot and, you know, uh, we didn't live together growing up. Obviously, you know, our parents separated when we were young, but uh, um, every time I'd go visit his house, you know, I was kind of naive to sort of some of the things that were going on, you know, in relation to baseball, because I would go to his house and go to his room and, you know, he would literally have the entire wall filled like wallpapered with offer letters from colleges. And then in his desk, he would keep the letters for the pro teams, you know, stuck in there. And this was, of course, obviously, like when he was junior, senior in high school, he's getting these offers. And I didn't know what all that meant at the time. Like, I thought that was like kind of normal because, you know, my dad's around pro athletes all the time. You know, I'm always around my dad with pro athletes. And then, of course, my brother's got all these offers. I thought that was normal life. Like, I didn't realize, you know, being number, I think it was number four, number five overall, out of coming straight out of high school, like that's a rare thing. You know, I didn't quite grasp that, grasp that at the time. But you know, looking back on it, it's kind of crazy. I'm like, wow, yeah, my brother's pretty special, man. And uh, every time, you know, coming up, you know, people would, you know, ask me like, when are you playing sports? You know, and, and they would try to make that cons- comparison. I'm like, you know what? I'm happy for my brother, man. And at the t- at the same time, uh, 
I didn't play baseball all that much in high school. I was more of a basketball guy. All my friends played basketball. I loved basketball. I loved baseball as well, but I didn't quite get into it as much as my brother did. So, uh, but his his success throughout his career was incredible. You know, couldn't really dream of it, and I I just loved following his career. Um, and of course, his life now post baseball it, it's it's always fun to, to be around and and uh, celebrate what he was able to to accomplish. And do you guys still keep in touch a lot? Uh, does he live in yeah. Texas as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's out in uh, he's out in Westlake now, and uh, not too far from me since I've moved to uh, Dallas recently. And um, you know, we will hang out. We will go hit the golf course every now and again. You know, it, you know, he's married, got a couple of kids, and they're they're getting into the high school age now. So it, it's it's kind of crazy, man, seeing the, those kids grow up too. Is he an MMA fan at all? He is. He is an MMA fan. He's obviously not as much into it as I am, (laughs) but um, yeah, he's definitely doing, he definitely keeps up with the sport. You know, we'll text back and forth every now and again too about, you know, the bigger fights um, and stuff like that. So yeah, he definitely pays attention to what's going on. That's excellent. Um, Now let's talk, let's we talked about obviously your interest in the sport. What was the very first brush you had as far as, you know, being involved in in media when it comes to, uh, you know, covering MMA? Um, Was it, cause I know MMA latest, that's sort of where I remember seeing you at, at first, was that the birth of that? Or was there something before that, as far as you, you know, being involved in in either covering the sport or writing about it or whatever? Um, So the very first thing I ever wrote about MMA was on MMA junkie. They had the Sunday junkie submissions. I don't know if anybody out there listening remembers that. that. Yeah, and it was actually the very first thing I ever wrote was um, about Chris Weidman and Anderson Silva. And it, I sent it in on the Sunday Junkie submission. It was the thing about Chris Weidman not wanting to renegotiate his deal before that Anderson Silva fight. And my angle was his confidence is already costing him because you're about to fight the GOAT and you don't want to renegotiate your contract before it. <laughs> and uh, that was the angle I went with. And, of course, I ended up having to eat my words because <laughs> Chris Weidman obviously did what everybody knows happened that night and knocked out Anderson Silva. And uh, from there, you know, you fast forward a little bit and I was like, okay, you know what? I, even though I was wrong, I still, I still like the idea of writing about this sport. So um, I was actually hanging out some on Joe Rogan's message board, which is now down now. He, he's completely gone away with it. And uh, someone started a thread on there one day and like, Hey, who wants to write about MMA? Um, I was like, all right. I was the second reply on there, you know, and, you know, a few months later, it turns into MMALatestNews.com. And, you know, pretty much over the next three years or so, you know, running that site, uh, growing it from absolutely nothing, you know, building up the social media channels, traveling to events and everything like that is crazy, man. The crazy, crazy growth that we had. And obviously, if you go there now, the, the site's no longer existed, it seems, because I'm not there. But uh, that's another, it's another, <laughs> another day. No, no, yeah. for sure. Um, so, so at the very beginning, was it you and because it was what you, Stephen Housen, and, and was it was Jim a part of that as well from the early going? So it was me, Stephen Housen, a couple other guys on there from the early days, Jordan Killian, you know, he's still doing the podcast, Sam Alvey, a um, couple other guys as well. Um, and Jim came on, I want to say about a year into it, I think Jim came on. Um, if I have my timeline correct, but yeah, we, we kind of had things going pretty good there. Um, and it, you know, it, it was funny cause we were trying to figure out, you know, what, what's the angle because in, in this MMA game, man, it's like, it's one thing being kind of a niche sport still, it's kind of hard to, to grasp an audience because it's like, okay, you have the year MMA junkies who out there doing like the beat writing essentially, right? They're covering every single news bit possible. So it's like, okay, do we want to go that route or do we want to do like more funny type things? You know, we were trying to find our voice, trying to find our our, our market, so to speak. And uh, 
we did a lot of crazy stuff early on. I remember one of the first articles I wrote was um, a satirical piece about what Brennan, Brennan Schaub said um, after the, his uh, the Joe Rogan talk. You know, everybody, the famous infamous, like the infamous Rogan yep. talk. And I did a satirical piece after that. And, uh, you know, it kind of blew up a little bit because some people thought it was real. And at the very bottom, you know, it was like, obviously, this is satire. And, uh, you know, it kind of sucks that you can't go there and see those kind of things now because the site's down, obviously. But uh, like I said, I won't get into all of that. But, no, you know, no. it, again, it was it was crazy because, you know, we we did so many different things um, from doing. We always did original content when talking to fighters directly. Um, we were, we were quick to get backstage and, uh, get some credentials to some events, you know, across, across the country. And the cool thing was, you know, our original vision was we wanted to have people in every, every continent, uh, uh, you know, across the world. And we had that, we had, we had, uh, Haswati over there in, uh, in Singapore. And it was just like, he was covering, you know, that whole scene over there with one championship and everything like crazy, like just bringing in stuff. He was behind the scenes. He knew stuff that nobody else was supposed to talk about and whatnot. When you're throwing it out there, getting some heat for it. It, it, it was crazy, man. It's crazy things that go on, go on in the sport all the time. And we were able to uncover some of that stuff from, you know, a country I've never stepped foot in and, right. you know, having, having that insight was, was kind of crazy. And I remember you guys did a lot of video content too. I remember Jim, yeah. like, like, yeah. you know, Jim is known a lot. I mean, Jim does a lot of video stuff too. I think he's now known more for, you know, his breaking news and his interviews and stuff as far as writing. But I remember Jim used to do those opinion videos and they used to get a ton of hits. I mean, he yeah. was really onto something. That's sort of where it caught my attention. Cause as I was making my transition to video, I was keeping an eye out for other things. And I think that's where I, I stumbled upon what Jim was doing and obviously the site and everything. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about here, and it's a story you've told me before is uh, how you guys got accredited to, to UFC events. Cause um, I've talked about this a bunch of times on here. It is very tough to get accredited as, as an independent website for the UFC. Uh, you got kind of a cool story with that involving one of the <laughs> events. Uh, do you want to just tell my audience that? Cause it was pretty cool. Yeah. So it, it was crazy how it all happened, man. Um, so UFC 185 was in Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they were doing, you know, they do fighter appearances throughout the cities that they're in. And uh, so Donald Cerrone was doing an appearance at uh, Bombshells here in Dallas. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the other writers at the site at the time, um, you know, he's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to be in town, you know, yada, yada, Cowboys doing this event. I didn't even know about cowboy doing this event but i had already bought tickets to the event i was just ready to go to weigh-ins yada yada go to the fight night okay cool so we go to this event with with cerrone and it's a chill thing you know he's got like a line for autographs take pictures yada yada drink beer have fun sorry if you can hear that thunder like i said it's storming over here but um so yeah we go out there we hang out and uh sure enough um you know dave schaller shows up a little a little bit later to hang out Apparently, you know, obviously good friends with Cerrone if you follow them on social media. Um, so Dave Schaller shows up with uh, Chris Costello and a couple other members of the PR team. And, you know, we ended up introducing ourselves. And, you know, one thing leads to another. We're obviously in a sports bar. And I may or may not have let it slip to who my brother was. <laughs> and uh, um, Chris Costello had that connection because he used to work in the baseball w- uh, world with uh, MLB. So he made that connection. And, um you know, I told him about the website and everything. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be at the fights. I've got tickets, yada, yada. And uh, I gave him my card. I had a business card for MMA latest and everything. So I gave him all of my information and, you know, have fun. Good night. You know, nothing too crazy. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll see you guys, you know, at weigh-ins tomorrow, whatever. And um, go home, get in the shower. By the time I get out of the shower, I have an email from Dave Schaller saying, hey, we have credentials for you for the event. I was 
my mind was blown. I was like, I didn't know what to do from that point. I was like, this is unbelievable because, you know, the plan was always to get credentialed for UFC yeah. events um, through MMA latest, but we had no idea. Like we thought it was at least a year away because we were like, we still got to do more growth on the site. We got to get the, the numbers up on our Twitter, on our socials, on our YouTube. We got to keep grinding that out. And to get that email, I was just like, whoa, every, the timeline just changed. Right. So luckily I had an, enough equipment at the time to get the job done. You know, I had my, I had my SLR. So I was able to shoot the weigh-ins and get those photos. And um, also the cool story about that was Joe Rogan, who also does, you know, the comedy shows whenever he goes to these, uh, to different cities. So I had tickets for the comedy show for Joe Rogan's comedy show, you know, after the weigh-ins. And the cool thing about Rogan shows, if anybody's been to Rogan's comedy shows or haven't, after he does his set, he always hangs around after the fact, gets gets photos, you know, he'll take photos with everybody there, shake hands, you know, smile, everything. It, it's pretty awesome. And so run into Joe Rogan, obviously, after the fact, and I tell him, you know, you got like two seconds to say something to Joe Rogan because literally everybody's trying to get a picture. And I walk up to him, shake his hand. Hey, man, I started a web MMA website on your message board. Smile. And he's like, whoa, what? what? And it, it was like it caught him off guard. He's like, what? what is it T tweeted at me tweeted at him and he ended up retweeting, you know, the way in stare down photo I took with uh Pettis and RDA and that blew up the site's numbers a little bit. So it was just crazy, man. And um, fast forward a little bit further after the weigh-ins here I am backstage, you know, shoulder to shoulder with Ariel Hawani and everybody else doing post-fight interviews. I was like, it was, I, it was surreal at the moment at the time. And I, just started soaking in as much information as I could. I was like, how are these guys moving back here? Like, what is the process? What's going on? How are they talking to these guys after the fights? Cause I had never really, you know, been backstage like that before um, in official capacity, so to speak. So it was, it was a completely new world. And I remember just from that moment, I was like, okay, I got to soak in as much information, take as many mental notes as I can. And uh, cause you're, you're next to the best back here. Seemingly when I thought I was just going to be in the crowd and uh Ended up being a great event. Obviously, everybody knows what happens. Uh, Pettis ended up losing that night uh, to RDA. And, you know, he's got another title fight coming up here soon. So crazy, man. Crazy story. Yeah. And, and just so people have an understanding, this is so rare, like like what happened. Yeah. And, and, you know, it just shows that, you know, right place, right time. It also shows the, you know, the amount of content you guys had at the time, too, which is uh, which is really good. Like, it's so tough to get credentials. I've talked about this before. I mean, Fightful, the site that this podcast is for. I got denied credentials for UFC 223, even though I covered UFC 218 for Fightful under them. The UFC is very weird about credentials and, and certain sites getting access and everything. So, um, you know, MMA latest, the fact that they're an accredited outlet is great. Um, you know, it's it's not like, you know, I say this all the time. Bellator, if you work for any site, chances are you'll get accredited unless you're a real dick. Sure. You have to really go out of your way not to get accredited. But the UFC, <laughs> it, it's very um, it's very difficult to get accredited. So Absolutely. Yeah. That, that is a huge milestone in, in itself there. Um, so in the, in the early days, this is all going on. What are you doing for work? Like, how are you balancing, you know, working for MMA Latest, running this site, while also, you know, trying to pay the bills and everything, uh, you know, living a regular life? Yeah, at that point, I was still working my, uh, my full-time retail gig. So I was a supervisor at Best Buy at the time. And uh, so I was literally nine to five in that. It was actually a lot more than nine to five at, at a lot of the times. So it was more like 60-hour work week sometimes retail world is crazy. I'm glad I'm out of it. Um, but, but, you know, it was one of those things where I would 
keep up with everything. Obviously, on my phone while I was at work, you know, I'm, I'm at Best Buy. We have computers all over the place. If, if news broke, hey, I kind of snuck away to <laughs> real quick to kind of write something up. And this was at that time I was, you know, writing and or editing 90 percent of the articles on MMA latest news. And, um, you know, obviously, I think Jim was on at this point, too. So, um, you know, between me and him, we were keeping the site afloat and editing articles and everything like that. And I was working at Best Buy, doing all of that, trying to make it work. And, you know, on, on the chance we, we did get approved for credentials because, you know, like I said, 185 was the first time, but that didn't mean we were getting approved for every event all of the time. So there were times, you know, hey, you did a great job that night, but yeah, we can't approve you. You're not big enough for this event. It's the sort of thing. So it was kind of hit or miss on whether or not we get credentialed. Um, but you know, just, just keeping the grind up every single day while working a full-time job, it was kind of challenging, but that was the fun of it because I had it in my mind. I was like, I'm going to keep carving out this, carving out this space to where we can turn this into an income where it can eventually kind of take over, uh, this, this job I'm doing here. You know, it was kind of the thing I was like, I enjoyed the job at Best Buy. There's a lot of good things about it. Obviously I met my fiance there <laughs> for one. Oh, did you? Okay. That's yeah. cool. I didn't yeah. know that. And, uh, so a lot of good things to take away from it, but eventually the politics of things, when you're starting to climb in the ladder, start to take over a little bit and kind of discourage you from things. And just like, uh, all right, this MMA thing is starting to take off a little bit. Let's keep at it. And, you know, it, it started to grow a little bit more, a little bit more. And eventually I was able to step away. I remember UFC 194. Uh, 194 um, was the day I quit because I was, I wanted to go to that event so bad. I was like, I'm not missing Conor McGregor versus Jose Allo. I'm not missing it for the world. And the way anybody that's worked in retail knows you're not getting off for a holiday schedule. There's blackout periods and everything like that. And I told them straight up, I was like, look, I've been with this company for 10 years. I need a week off, like a week off. I don't ever ask for anything. They're like, sorry, we can't do it. And I was like, all right, that's my two weeks notice. And when I said that, they were just floored. They couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I, I and, and me saying it, I was still kind of nervous about saying it too, you know. But uh, I ended up doing it and ended up going to 194, most ridiculous weekend I've ever been a part of. I wasn't actually credentialed for it, but we were able to still get a ton of content, a ton of content for that event. Um, I got some almost like, TMZ style videos, you know, being out in the crowd where the Irish fans and the auto fans are just going at it at the MGM Grand, jumping on casinos and everything. And I thought I was about to be in the middle of a world star fight. Everything. It was just <laughs> madness all over the place. And it, that being there for that event was so special. And like looking at some of the events that I've, I've been able to cover or, uh, you know, being attendance for over the past three years, it's just like, man, these are some landmark landmark events for the sport. Yeah. So. That, that is one awesome. of the best parts. Um, you, you talked yeah. a little bit earlier about challenges. Um, how was it challenging? You mentioned your fiance. How, how tough is it to sort of maintain a social <laughs> life while you're working these hours and also trying to get content done for MMA latest? It's tough, man. It's tough. It's, it's definitely, it can definitely be a strain on, you know, the relationships at time because, you know, you're just trying to say, hey, I'm trying to make this thing grow. And at times, you know, you can convince, convince, yeah, this is the vision. This is what's going on. And, you know, luckily, my fiance has always been very supportive of what we're trying to do. Um, obviously, you know, when when the money's not coming in quickly right away, it kind of gets a little bit tough to kind of see the things. But, you know, luckily, she's been real supportive. She's got a great job herself that, you know, pays significant money. So it's, it's not like, you know, we're hurting there but or, any, or anything. But um, 
it's definitely challenging, man, because, you know, obviously watching UFC events, especially now, it's like every Saturday. If it's not a oh, UFC, it's a Bellator or it's an Invicta or something. And pretty much all your weekends are shot because, you know, you're writing articles, two or three articles a day, um, obviously covering the fights, doing fight night event results. You're watching every single fight. You're updating, you're tweeting, you're doing everything. So it can be a little bit straining at times, but you got to make sure to make up for it when the events are over. So um, as far as, uh, you know, the early days of MMA latest or even just the people that sort of went through it, um, there's some interesting names in there. You know, I mentioned Jim. Obviously, Jim's doing great things with yeah. MMA Knit. We've had Jim here on the show. Uh, you know, he's talked all about that yourself, obviously. Dan Tom, uh, he's someone who yes, I know did breakdowns for you guys. Yes. Now he's killing it. He's, he's not only co-hosting MMA Junkie Radio, but he's, you know, doing uh, breakdowns for, for one of the biggest sites out there. Um, who are some other people that maybe I'm missing that have gone through MMA latest that I just haven't thought of? Man, there's, there's been so many people um, that are still in the game now. Uh, Rodney James Edgar comes to mind. He's still in the game. Oh, that's right. yeah. uh, Nicole Bosco with uh, Fansided. Uh, yeah, Dan Tom's a big one, man. I remember the, I remember when Dan came through. Obviously, when you're running a website, you get so many people that want to be like, how do I get into this industry, yada, yada. And I, I don't remember who initially brought Dan's name into the group chat, but someone was like, hey, this guy does breakdowns. They're awesome. And we get so much. You get so much crap you know all the time it's just like okay yeah we can't put that on the site and i remember somebody sent me a link to dan's stuff and i was just blown away i was like this dude wants to work for us yes what do we have to do like let's do it 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 was just incredible if you haven't read dan tom's breakdowns and you're you know you're listening to this uh you're you're really missing out he does some incredible work um but there's been a lot of people man Uh, there's been a lot of people that come and go obviously um because it's tough man is this is an industry that that pays a lot of money you Mm -hmm. know if any at all, if, you, if you're getting any sort of income out of this, you, you're doing really good and, you, and you're on the right track. So, you know, it, it's tough for sure. Um, do you remember the first interview you ever did? Mm, first interview, first interview I ever did. Um, if you can't remember, sit on that one for a sec, guys, yeah. as far as far as one of the things I wanted to talk about, and, and it's something I've mentioned on here before, is uh, you guys did a really good job, I know, of developing those early relationships. And one that sort of comes to mind is uh, Angela Lee. Um, it, you know, I, I just I know that you guys got her sort of early on and now she's sort of blown up and everything like that. You know, how important is that kind of getting fighters early on and then having that relationship later on and being able to sort of go back to it? Uh, it, it's huge. It's definitely huge because, um, you know, that's one of the things that you do so well, <laughs> right? Is, you know, you get these guys when they're when they're fighting on these regional shows and everything like that. And that's one of the things I wish I had more opportunity and more time to do. Um, you know, we have a lot of events in Dallas. You know, I don't, I don't get to go out to all of them, obviously having a full-time job now. So um, it's kind of unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it's one of the things when you catch these guys as they're coming up or when they're getting right on the cusp of, of breaking in. And if you're able to reach out to these guys and, and secure those interviews and, and build that relationship early, that's so huge. That's so huge. So that, that would be the, the big piece of advice um, to anyone out there. I would think uh, would be to, to catch these guys early, man. Don't wait till Conor McGregor is Conor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather to try to reach out to him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like reach out to these guys. I, I haven't necessarily had a bad interview with anyone. I don't think, um, and so to speak to where it's like, okay, we got to end this now. Like we're not, you're not vibing with me whatsoever, you know, to that type thing. Like most of these people are really cool to talk to. They're really, they're really down to earth people. Um, you know, they're fun interviews for the most part. Um, sometimes I ha- I've had a couple where it's kind of like you're pulling teeth obviously, but that's, that's some, some interviews that's some personalities just won't open up to you initially, but it, it, it's, that's just the nature of, 
human personalities, I think, you know, not everybody's going to open up to everyone. But I think you got to give yourself some credit, too, because I don't think I've ever seen you upset or angry or any like you're a very nice, <laughs> very personable person. I mean, I, I remember that the first time I met you. And it's uh, and I think that that is in itself a skill just to, you know, be uh, personable and, and have good conversations and, and everything else. I mean, I, I don't think you'd find anyone who's going to say a bad thing about you in this industry. So I think that's part of it, too. Just, you know, being professional, being uh, you know, approachable. I, I think that's so really important. And, and, you know, we'll talk about your podcast in a sec, because I think that's yeah, yeah. something you guys have really sort of uh, done is get the fighters on a different level, as opposed to getting them with how's weight, how's the, you know, weight cut, how's, how's camp, how's this and that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you guys sort of get on a deeper level there, which I think is very interesting. But sure. uh, do, you, do you remember the interview? If you don't, we'll uh, go on to something else. I, I don't remember the very first one that I did. Um, unfortunately, I, I do remember one of the first very, the very first video interviews I did. It was actually with Kevin Lee. Um, I caught him, uh, you know, I reached out to him, um, and he hit me back on Twitter or on, you know, Facebook or whatever it was. And I did an interview with him in the MGM grand. This was before the, uh, Leo Santos fight. Obviously we know how that went for him. You know, he was the biggest favorite on the card and ends up, you know, it not going his way, but that was one of the first on camera interviews I did. And that was, uh, Jim was holding the camera for me and, uh, I go back, I was like, oh man, good interview with Kevin. And uh, go back to edit the video, and Jim had the video out of focus, and I was I was so pissed. <laughs> I was so pissed because the whole time I was like, "Oh man, this is a great interview! It's a great interview." You know, Kevin gave me some good content as as usual. Kevin is always a great interview. I just watched awesome. the one you did. I just watched the one you did. Uh, I guess yesterday. Yeah. And uh, great interview, obviously, as always. And I go back and I'm editing the video. I'm like, Jim, the video's out of focus, man. <laughs> And I was so pissed, but ended up getting out of, you know, it's just like, whatever. We ended up pulling quotes, throwing up an article, and that did more more hits anyways. But, um, yeah, I think that was the first on camera. I can't remember the first one that I did just strictly for an article, though. That that's still that's still a good story. Um, yeah. I, I've told the story before, but at UFC 218, I I interviewed Eddie Alvarez. I had this really 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 good interview, and uh, my friggin' camera wasn't on. Now, luckily, <laughs> I had my I had my voice recorder with me, like because I use that as my microphone. So I got the audio. So I just threw the audio underneath the photo. Still did a bunch of hits, but. I was so bummed because it was like a really like if you would have saw his facial expression when we were talking about Mortal Kombat, it was it was epic. And, uh, you know, <laughs> as you know, Eddie's Eddie's a tough guy to get a hold of. So, um, you know, the, the chances of me getting him because I was on a media day, um, you know, to have that to recreate that moment would be very difficult. So kind of bummed Absolutely. about that. But um, I do want to hit on something that you said a second ago about, you know, me coming off as like being a nice guy and everything like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious if you had any interactions like this. So me, whenever I'm backstage at events, man, I, I try to be as nice and polite to everyone possible. Like I'm always just gracious to be back there for one, Um, you know, like back at fight night, Austin recently, um, a guy was doing live video on his iPhone and, you know, he had an SLR and he had a hot shoe and he was doing live video and his phone's kind of shaking. So I was like, here, man, I got an extra mount like for your hot shoe. Like here, like like, I'm that guy. Like I'm trying to help everybody. Like we're all trying to get the same content at these crumbs and whatever. Anyways. So I had a guy one time, I think it was at UFC 200 um during media day you know how media days are like especially an event like ufc 200 um there's going to be a ton of people a ton of people so you can't always get those one-on-one smaller pay-per-views smaller fight nights you can get one-on-one time at media day ufc 200 wasn't really the case because media was everywhere right so the scrums were literally scrums and uh i'm standing here the way it was set up i remember uh zingano and then johnny hendrix and I have my camera here at Cad Zingano, 
and usually the way I work media day is like I'm listening to where my camera's focused, but I'm also paying attention to what the other guy's saying too. Oh yeah. You know, at the same time. So I'm trying to like listen to what what kind of angles can I go off of, you know, what's he answering? How is he acting? Like is he giving good answers? Is he feeling like vibrant? Like is he feeling good? Like if he's not, then I may skip him. You know, it's just one of those things. Like if you can tell a guy is on, like I heard Diego Sanchez a few <laughs> a few spots down just going off. It was like, oh, I'm definitely getting over to, to, to Diego in a second. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill but so i turned my camera around and i had i had done an exclusive like sit down with johnny like a couple of weeks prior and amazing content from johnny johnny's one of the (laughs) most interesting characters in the game right Mm -hmm. so anyways like he remembered me obviously and um sitting there and i believe heidi fang was asking questions and someone was asking questions right before her, right when I turned my camera around. And so Heidi gets a couple of questions in and I've got my mic there out and Heidi asked a question and I asked a follow-up question right after, right after Heidi. And then I ended up asking like two or three more. And then I get my camera and move on to the next one. I go, to there, go down there to Diego, like I said. And as I'm waiting for you know that to get done, I'm setting up, about to get my mic, about to hit record again. I get a tap on my shoulder and I'm like, oh, yo, yo what's up? And yeah. This guy, I don't know who he was. I mean, I've seen his face a couple of times at events. He said, next time, just be a little effing professional. I was what? just like, I was like, what? Like, my mind was blown. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, you heard me. Next time, be, be professional back over there. I was like, what are you talking about? These are scrums. I asked questions. Like, <laughs> what did I do? He was like, oh, you saw me. I was standing there waiting. I was like, actually, I didn't see anybody. Um, I didn't yeah, see anybody in my, my peripheral vision. You know, I was like, I didn't see anybody. I was like, if I cut you off, I'm sorry. But I was like, if you were, if you really want to make it a problem, we can make it a problem. <laughs> and then he didn't want any of that smoke. So he turned around <laughs> and walked wow. away. A confrontation with Matthew Wells, I never thought I'd hear the day. It was crazy because I was like, man, I'm always trying to be the most professional person back here. Like, you know, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I don't want to start any problems with anybody. Like, I'm just, like, trying to get job done and go to go back to work, man. Like, so it was crazy that that happened. So I was kind of also kind of curious if you've ever had anybody come at you. Sideways. Yeah, I have. And I, don't, I don't and I don't mind. And I don't mind naming them on air because they he has me blocked on Twitter anyway. So I, I don't have a problem with this. And people might yeah. find this entertaining. I'm at UFC 205 in New York. OK, okay. I'm waiting for I'm you know, uh, now this media day was a little bit different because um, it was spread out a bit more. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you go to these uh, media days, like it's it's a little bit more condensed, like someone will be sitting on a chair and then literally there'll be a fighter right next. So it's a little you know, it gets a little bit bigger. But for whatever reason on this media day, it was a little bit more spaced out. So. So I'm waiting for Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson is talking to Karen Bryant, who's okay. Karen Bryant's camera guy, Wade Eck, her husband. Yep, yep. So I'm waiting. I'm literally have like I have my tripod with me. I have my tripod attached to my camera. I'm holding my camera, just waiting or whatever. Wade goes to me. He's like, dude, why are you filming? Stop filming this uh, thing or whatever. I go, dude, I'm not filming. Like, why would I film your stupid? Like, I'm literally just holding it in my hand. I'm not even like recording anything or whatever. And I, I went up to him after I said, look, man, like I, I'm wearing a suit. I'm not here to try and steal other people's content. Like, give me a friggin' break here. So I thought that was kind of crazy because it's like clearly it was just me and them. And like, I didn't even have my camera like pointing in the face or anything. It was like kind of just in my hand. And he accuses me of trying to film uh, my, the, my, their interview. And it's like, I don't even want that. <laughs> 
So, yeah, and, and on the flip side, I've told this story too. I, now, I won't mention this person's name, although I don't think they're in the industry anymore. I had someone, um, when we were doing media scrums, take my uh, answer, like my questions and answers. They cut out my questions, put in the answers that I did in the interview, and put it on, on their site. And this was for a big site. I'm not going to tell you which one, but uh, they, uh, they, they used my interview. And I didn't even notice until someone on my YouTube channel uh, commented, Hey, Junkie stole your. Oh, shoot. I kind of threw it a bit. But, uh, <laughs> But, uh, but, uh, no, it was, uh, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, that, that, that's how I, that's how I ended up finding out. So, and, uh, it, it was, it was all handled behind doors or whatever. And I think the person who did it, they, um, they, you know, they, they did it sort of, you know, they, 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 they were upfront about it or whatever after the fact, I think they thought it was a media scrum, but it wasn't, but, uh, but no, it was, it was one of those things where like, you know, I, I like, like it clearly was a one-on-one. It wasn't like a media scrum situation. Cause I was there standing on camera. It's like, come on, you know that that's not the right thing. So, so that's yeah. That. So, um, yeah, that's just hopefully I won't get any trouble for saying that. But, uh, but it, <laughs> honestly, the person who did it isn't even in the industry anymore, as far as I know. So, so it's all good. But well, uh, it's, a, it's a thing that's happened, man. It, like I remember that happened to Jim Edwards one time, and it was actually UFC that did it. You know, they didn't give him credit. Like they did the same thing that you're talking about. Whoever was running the UFC account for this particular event, they literally chopped out all of the content, and it was straight from MMA latest. They chopped out Jim asking the questions and through their little, you know, bookends on the video. And it was just like, this is our interview now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now, now, on, the, now on, the, on, the, on the flip side, I've had it where, uh, you know, uh, Matt Perino, who we both know works for UFC, does he's like their digital yeah. interviewer or whatever. He said, hey, man, do you mind if I shoot some stuff? I'm fine with that. That's okay. Because it's like, whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, like you know, I, Matt's a good guy. Like, like, it's all good. But this guy did it without even like, like, I, I could see him in the background. But I like, I was just like, okay, well, whatever. I, I didn't think much of it at the time. And then sure enough, I go and, my all my answers everything i asked is on there you just don't hear my questions but you hear the answers and i'm like this sounds so familiar so so that that's happened before too but uh but yeah i mean for the most part it, like you said most people are there to sort of help out and things like that i had another incident uh last year where i was waiting to interview fabricio Werdum and a brazilian reporter literally just like as i like i must have waited for like 10 minutes because you know when they start they, not everyone comes out at the same time so i, I was like okay i'm gonna get Werdum first because you know it was a big fight he was fighting over him and uh literally i'm about to step in and ask my question and this guy swoops in and starts talking and i'm like there's two ways i can handle this i can make a scene or i can be professional and just let him do it i let him do it but i was pissed obviously because i waited for like 10 minutes i could have got someone else right so so frustrating so frustrating so so people don't know the the struggle that goes on in the uh, in the media Let's get back on the timeline with you. So, sure. you know, you talked about getting this great job in November and, uh, you know, really uh, getting getting sort of one of the dream jobs. So you're having to adjust your strategy, obviously, because you have this full time job. It's, you know, something you like doing, but you still want to stay in MMA. So how did you uh, like when did you sort of make that switch to doing the Slip and Dip podcast? And how did that even come together with you and Kendrick doing the show? Yeah, so that came about um, actually the, the seed kind of got planted at UFC 200. You know, that's when uh me and Kendrick really had our first conversation. Like we met at UFC 185, but we see each other again at UFC 200 and, you know, we hit it off, have a conversation, come to find out we live like, I don't know, five minutes away from each other. So that's kind of rare because we run in all these people, you know, like I said, like you up in Canada, Jim over in, you know, across the pond over there. It's like, you, you think all these people that you meet at these events, they don't live close to you. Kendrick was like, yeah, I live. He's like, I live in Plano. Uh, he's like, I was like, oh, really? What side? Because, you know, Plano's a big city. Mm. He's like, uh, you know, West Side. It was like, oh, okay. He's like, oh, right next. To- oh, okay. You're five minutes from me. You know, and then, you know, we started, started talking more and more. And then fast forward to a year ago, um, 
just uh yeah it's it's a little over i think a year and two weeks now we started yeah, the podcast. Was, i remember yeah. i remember last year jim talking to kendrick at international fight week last year and jim saying when are you gonna let me on the podcast and i remember you like just it just started then <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and uh you know adjusting the strategy is huge because like you said um adjusting to the full-time gig now um doing the podcast you know, it's a once a week thing, obviously. So we do, we plan it on the weekends. We try to book as many fighters, like usually three to four fighters as we can. And that's always a challenge. Um, but, you know, obviously I don't have as much time for writing anymore because you know, unlike my previous job when I was at Best Buy and like, there's a lot of downtime, like now at Panini, it's like, I go in there, I clock in and until I clock out, I'm working. And so it's like, I've heard, even though I'm sitting in front of a computer, like I, I have to get work done. So it's not like, it's not like it's a bad thing or anything. I'm, I'm definitely loving every minute of it, but it's like, I just don't have that extra downtime to, you know, maybe pump out an article real quick or something like that anymore. So my, my writing has kind of subsided for the time being until I try to figure out, you know, the type of balance where I can work that in. But um, I'm enjoying doing the podcast thing, man, because it's, it's exclusive interviews with these guys. You're getting different content that hadn't been out there. We've broken a couple of news stories from our podcast. So it's always fun when we can get that kind of stuff out of guys too. So um, it's just fun, man. I, I love doing the this sort of thing. Like, you know, like, you know, you know, the feeling like when you're, when you're the one talking to the guy face to face or, you know, one-on-one type thing. And then they tell you something that hadn't been said yet. Like, that's a great feeling, you know, so you can get that out there and get your name behind it. It, it kind of helps build your brand and uh, show people that, yeah. You know, you're trying to get legit content out here. You're not just, you know, rehashing stuff. There's a couple of things I really like about, I mean, there's a lot of things I should say I like about the podcast, but uh, one of the things that I think is interesting is that you sort of do a lot of the technical stuff uh, as far mm-hmm. as, you know, the setup, because you guys, if I'm not mistaken, you use YouTube live, right? With Skype, I'm guessing. Is that how you do everything? So yeah, we, we do, uh, we do uh, OBS and sometimes we'll do live on YouTube. Most of the times we'll just record it off the air and then I'll edit it after the fact, which takes forever because our yeah. show is about an hour and a half. Yeah, anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. And so it's like I'm up till like four o'clock in the morning editing these videos every time, you know, and it's just it's not so much that it takes so long to edit. It's the encoding through Adobe that takes forever to encode. It takes like what are you using for uh, for a laptop? Uh, You know, I want to hear some trade secrets here. What's uh... at the moment? I actually don't have a laptop. That's a funny story I can get into in a minute. Um, It's not really funny at all. But UFC 214. uh, Some people. Oh, no. Yeah. The California thing. I forgot about that. Oh, geez. We talked about that in a second. But right now I just have a a pretty badass desktop, 32 gigs memory, you know, everything like that. It's it's pretty fast and pretty powerful. But, you know, I, I run everything. Like I said, we do the thing through OBS. I don't, I don't necessarily like doing everything live because, yeah. you know, Skype can get wonky sometimes. So like yeah. if, if a call drops out, I just want to be able to chop out that dead time. I don't want to have that awkward silence. I like, Oh, we just lost them. Yeah. You know, you, you can do that like on an MMA hour because it's like, okay, we got 15 other people we can get to. Right. <laughs> you know, if yeah. something got, falls out, but you know, I like editing it and making it a little bit more cleaner. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't do heavy editing because like I said, it takes too much time. But like if there's a, a clearly like a dead space or something like that, I'll chop that out and then we'll just keep it moving and kind of make it flow a little bit smoother. But yeah, yeah using OBS, um, it's, it's an easy program to use. Um, and then I edit through the um, Adobe uh, Premiere Pro. You know, I'll do our little thumbnails in Photoshop and throw all that together, post it up on YouTube. And uh, yeah, obviously the podcast goes through speaker and iTunes. 
I, I was going to say, yeah, the, the, I, I do the same thing. And, the, you know, people ask me why I don't do YouTube live because I do so much, so many videos that you think I'd cut the middleman out of having to upload <laughs> exactly. and do everything else. But there, there's two reasons. Number one, like you said, like as far as editing, it's way easier for me to edit offline than it would be on YouTube because they have to reprocess everything. It takes forever. And yeah, two, I do those pros picks videos. So I usually do the picks partway through the interview because I try and like make it seamless. And then um, and that like that would be so tough to take out individual picks for every video, taking it off YouTube as opposed mm-hmm. to doing it offline. So that that's part of the reason why I do it there. Um, but what I, I I had a pretty decent laptop that I got a brand new like back in 2015. And just this year I upgraded and it's a world of difference. I, I forked out the money as soon as I went full time at this. I went and got myself a gaming laptop. I used uh, what's called a Razer. Um, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I, I fork as a money. Nice. I'm just like, you know what? Time is money. Like, I can do more interviews if I can export faster. So, my actually, my biggest challenge is just my internet speed. And and I do have the highest internet here in Canada, but for Rod through Rogers, but it's uh, it's still not. It still takes me a while. Like, I um I, I find that it's because uh, because the file, you know, I want good quality stuff. I want 30 frames a second, and I want like absolutely and all that stuff. So the exporting is never an issue. Like that's like been a huge time saver, especially at events. But the uh, the uploading does take some time. But hey, you got You can't have everything the way you want it. So. So that's yeah, exactly. But you, exactly. you referenced the story there. Um, I, I don't think we've told this on on the show because I'm trying to think if I've had when I had Jim on and we were, you know, I, I don't think we touched on that. But uh, but yeah. So you do want to tell what happened? It was pretty pretty shitty. Yeah, UFC 214, obviously at Jones Cormier two, huge event. Everybody's like super stoked for it, right? So um, if you go to my, um, well, I'll get to that part in a second. But um, so UFC 214 obviously is in Anaheim. Um, and I'll kind of spell out the day, right? So, you know, I fly in and I ended up Ubering to meet up with the guys at a, a little coffee shop before going to uh, the press conference. Uh, and, you know, the first press conference, you know, Jones, Cormier, and I think Cyborg and uh, who else? Cyborg and uh, Tony Evinger, you know, they're there on stage and everything. And, uh, you know, go to the press conference. Everything's good, yada, yada. And then we're like, okay, where are we going to edit our stuff? Like, all right, let's go find a little, another little coffee shop. So I'm um, with Danny Austin, Jim Edwards, and Jose Youngs. And we're like, all right, we find a coffee shop. And then after the fact, we're like, all right, what do we want to do now? And if you've ever been to a fight week covering the fights, you know, getting an exercise isn't really something that we do. We may do some beer curls, and that's about it. Um, but we never really, like, hit the gym or anything. So it's like, all right, hey, Runyon Canyon's over there. It's awesome. It's a Hollywood sign. Let's go run the hills. We're like, all right, cool, let's do it. So we had the idea, hey, let's do it. We find a a spot to park, you know, change, get our workout gear, go hit the hills. And I remember telling myself, I was like, I I might just want to bring my camera up here, you know, take some shots, ended up, you know, changed my mind on it. I just bring my phone and my wallet. I was like, I'll bring my wallet just in case, um, you know, there's a little shop, grab some water or something on the way back or on the way up there even. So we go run the run the hills. It's amazing. The views are amazing. If anybody's been in Running Canyon, you know, like the views you get of LA are incredible. You can see Hollywood sign and everything. It's it's a beautiful time. The weather was perfect. Like I, I was seriously considering moving to California at that point. I was like, this is amazing. I could do this every day, right? But have the greatest time ever. Come down back to the car, open up the door, and I'm like, yo, my bag is gone. Uh, and then Jose's like, yeah, my bag's gone too. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me right now. I was like, wait, do I leave it in the trunk? So we go around, like, we're all starting to freak out. Like half of our stuff is gone. What happened? And like, they didn't know, like they broke into the, the rental. Uh, Danny had the rental. They broke into it, stole half the bags. They left my luggage 
Um, I had two bags. I had my camera bag and my laptop and everything like that. And then I had my, obviously my clothes cause I hadn't been to the hotel yet, but my camera bag, all my equipment gone. Uh, Jose stuff gone. Uh, Danny's laptop gone. Jim is the only one that has any of his equipment left because he had a smaller like portfolio bag that he slid under the front seat. So they didn't get there. So his equipment was still there, but all of our other stuff gone and we're all freaking out, you know, like, like, how are we going to cover this event? How are we going to cover UFC 214? Um, like, what are we going to do from this point? Like, we don't have, you know, we're journalists. We don't have a ton of money to where we can just get like, all right, I can go pop out and buy a new Canon SLR. I can go buy a new MacBook right now. Like, we, we're not that loaded, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we were all freaking out. And, uh, you know, if you go to my Twitter right now, if you go to my Twitter on my banner at Mr. Inwell's Art, my Twitter banner, Twitter banner is the very last picture I took with that camera. And it's a pretty epic photo, I think, because it, it says so much about that whole John Jones versus DC saga. It's just like, a, you know, a, a picture can say a million words. And I think that one spells out quite a few things if you just look at all the expressions and everything going on. But uh, just that, just the fact of that whole whirlwind thing of having everything literally taken from you just days before an event, figuring out how you're, how you're going to have to cover it. I ended up covering that entire event with... Um, a $200 netbook from Walmart and my iPhone. (laughs) And, uh, you know, come to find out, I was like, actually, you don't need all this heavy equipment to cover an event. You can actually make it happen. And um, like I covered Fight Night Austin recently just with an iPad and my iPhone. Like it can be done. It can be done. It's very, it's, the apps are robust enough to get it done. You can upload directly to YouTube. It's not obviously my ideal situation. I want my Canon SLR to take high quality photos. I like photography as well. So it, it was a, it was definitely a struggle. One of the worst things that's ever happened. Your first time visiting LA and then you get robbed and it's just like, Oh, I hate LA. I hate it. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, I remember that whole thing unfolding on Twitter and it was just, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel for you guys, man. I'd, I'd be devastated. I've, yeah, I've, <laughs> I'm so paranoid about that stuff. Like I have, I have like dreams of like losing my laptop or something like, like I'm, I'm very, actually, I, I don't know if you remember this at two Oh six at the weigh-ins, I left my camera in the, in the weigh-in room and I didn't realize it until partway I got home. But, uh, but man, it's like, uh, just to think like, you know, you lose something there that that's, that's nuts, but to have something stolen, I mean, that that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap things up here real quick. Uh, just a couple more questions. Uh, okay. and dips, obviously uh, you guys just celebrated your 50th episode. Mm-hmm. Who's sort of on the bucket list at this point, as far as guests that you'd like to talk to that you haven't yet. Oh, wow. Um, obviously, you know, we want to get more champions on, man. We want to get Tyron Woodley on. We want, we want to get DC on. Um, we've had champions on before, you know, Demetrius Johnson's been on, gave us a great interview. Um, you know, just more and more guests, man. Like I love talking to any and all fighters. You know, we kind of have a thing we're we're trying to build towards this segment called "You Ball, You Get the Call." That's Kendrick's idea. Basically, we hit up someone right after they come off a big win and uh, get them on and talk about the show or talk about the fight. And um, you know, I, I'm very appreciative to any fighter that wants to come on and, and rap to us for a little bit because um, we're we're genuinely curious. You know, like what's your mindset like? You know, how are you feeling? Um, just talk to us a little bit about, you know, what's going on in your life, you know, fight game, not fight game, you know, so it's fun. It's fun to talk to these guys, get to know them a little bit better. Um, but yeah, definitely. uh, I mean, just, I just want more champions on, you know, (laughs) it doesn't necessarily have to be champions per se, but you know, just, just the bigger names to kind of, you know, get that rapport going with those guys. So, you know, Stipe would be a fun one. Like Stipe doesn't always give the best interviews, but you know, he's given me some solid interviews before too. So it's, it's, Guys like that that I want to get on the show. 
Yeah, it's just it's just sort of the right situation. And, and one of the things I like about um, about you and uh, Kendrick as well is Kendrick's got a very unique personality. I mean, like yeah. he is, you, you notice him if you're in an event. He's uh, very, you know, uh, he's a character. There's no other way to sort of put it. And, uh, you know, you you sort of have your own style as well. But I think it complements each other. You know, I think like you're very, you know, more sort of buttoned up professional. Kendrick's more, you know, a little bit loose and stuff. But but I find but no, what I like, though, is when you see the guests come on, they're very much at ease. And, and Kendrick has a good ability and, and you as well to sort of get on that level and not get on the level of just you know fight stuff it's 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 outside of it and you know i, I think too um you know I, I see a lot of the african-american fighters come on they seem more at ease with you guys do you find that as well too where it's just very like you guys are sort of more on their level as far as you know some of the conversations you guys have yeah there, there's some things that are i guess a little bit more relatable when it comes to that but you know i don't want it to come off as necessarily that we're you know only reaching out to, to all the black fighters and stuff like that because yeah you know we, we've got a good mix we got a very good mix and uh you know but yeah i i have noticed that that is a thing that's a little bit um it's it, there's some truth to that for sure but uh you know i think the biggest thing about us at least that i try to you know try to do is like my interview style like i don't really necessarily you know m- you know mold it around anyone that i've kind of i just try to listen to what the guys are saying you know like i i never have questions written down like i have an, an idea of what i want to ask you know based on current climate you know who you're fighting next who you just fought those kind of sort of things but I really try to pay attention to what they're asking. And if they mention like one little thing, I'd be like, oh, let's dive into that little thing you just said. And then just kind of, you know, explore from there and try to take it, try not to be, you know, super structured. Cause there's some guys, not necessarily that it's a bad thing, um, but it's just a little bit different. Some guys, you know, you'll see at events, they'll have questions written down. And it's just like, I'm going to ask you this question written down here. And I don't care what you say in response to that question. I'm asking you question number two next. You know, like that's just not. My style, that's not Kendrick's style either, you know, so we, we we try to feed off of the actual responses and where they're kind of trying to take the interview to. So we try to find that balance. And uh, what's sort of the best advice you could give someone as someone who's, you know, done done very well in, uh, in and especially now, too, where, you know, you have this full time job, you're doing it on the side. Well, what's some uh, piece of advice you'd want to give anyone listening out there? Um it, it depends on what your goals are. I, I guess know your goals for one. That's that's the first thing. Know what you want to get out of covering the sport. If if you know, you want to make it a full-time thing. Um, good luck. Uh, cause it's very, very, very hard. Um, but at the same time, like if that's your goal, don't give up on it. So you have, you have to find a niche. You have to find something that's kind of, kind of special. That's one of the things when I was with MMA latest, man, that's one of the things we struggled with was finding that, that truly unique content. And I don't think we ever really found it like with, with slip and dip. I don't even think we've necessarily found it yet. Um, but it's just one of the things always, be aware that you have to kind of, you have to kind of shift a little bit. You have to be able to change up things. Um, because if you keep the same thing going, going on and on and on, it, it becomes stale and people will notice it becomes stale. So you have to change a little bit over time. Um, but also just, just be aware of where the game's going, what people are, are interested in for one, what they're clicking on, what they're watching, kind of try to stay and pay attention to all of that as well. So, um, but but don't give up, man. If you if you're one of those people out there, like I said, have realistic expectations. Set small goals. Don't don't just reach for the moon and say, "Hey, my first goal is the moon." <laughs> you know, like um, figure out how you build how you, how you want to build that rocket ship first. How you're going to gather those materials for that rocket ship. You know, so small goals. 
I like that. That's uh, some solid advice there. Uh, I, we do have to get to the chat. I actually did forget about that. So we'll, there's, <laughs> okay. a lot, there's a lot of good questions here. And then we'll wrap things up. So my apologies for going a little bit later. But uh, um, we got we got Dean D in the chat. Uh, Dean's a big supporter of the show. And I appreciate Very you cool. watching. Dean, he says, uh, what are Matt's thoughts on the spat between Nico Montano and Ariel Hawani? I'm sure you saw this yesterday with uh, the day oh, before. Yeah. What, what oh, are yeah. your thoughts? And I, I talked about it on Parting Shot this morning. If people want to check that out, you can go see it on there. Uh, Cole's Notes version. I think I don't think what Helwani said was out of the line, but I do feel like after the fact that we know that she had everything on Instagram saying that she was out, that's kind of a rookie mistake on his part not to check her social media, but that was sort of my thoughts. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, obviously, I think the way that he worded it could have been a little bit controversial, but um, you can know every detail about a person's situation and still get frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Like you could still be losing patience. Like the UFC could know every intricate detail about her health situation and they could still be losing patience. It's, it's not necessarily a thing of where Ariel, I don't think was trying to say, Hey, you're scared or, you know, you're not going to, you're trying to get out of this fight. Yada, yada, yada. I don't think that was the case at all. I think maybe the wording wasn't quite there, but I think, you know, a lot of people try to twist a lot of stuff that Ariel does and make it into a negative thing. So I don't really read too much into that. But I think just the wording could have been a little bit better. But yeah. I definitely think Nico's response was way out of line. <laughs> okay. Way out of line. I'm sorry. I think that was just way overboard. Like you could have said something a little bit more professional about that. Attacking him like that was not fair at all. Not fair at all. There we go. Um, then uh, Dean also asks um, – when uh, he's talking about Brendan Schaub, when he said uh, about the all black panel on Fox, what did, uh, what did Matthew think of it? Yeah. What was your thoughts on Schaub? I, I think you guys talked about this on your podcast. If I'm not mistaken about, you know, Schaub's comments about the black panel as, as an African-American sort of, what was your, your take on everything? Uh, I've heard those sort of things like my entire life. Right. <laughs> so it's like, whenever I hear it, you know, especially on that stage and that, in that instance, it was just like water under the bridge. It's like, it's something I've heard a million times before. So I didn't really put that too much, too much thought into it. And I don't think uh, Schwab was trying to be necessarily overly negative or being negative in a way. He was trying to make an observation and it came off wrong. And that observation always comes off wrong. And it's, it's one that's always very touchy. It's almost better just not to mention anything about it yeah, because you could, you could say it perfectly and someone's always going to pick something out of that and try to make it even more negative than what you intended it to be. But the way he said that, like I've heard that a million times before, and it was nothing that I put too much stock into. I don't think he was trying to be, you know, uh, trying to come off as racist, or I don't think he's necessarily racist either. It's just one of those things. Like, just next time, just don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I hear you on that for sure. Yeah. Um, Dean also asks this a question for me. He says, uh, James got denied by the UFC when he was under Fightful such BS. Was it due to Fightful covering WWE or other pro wrestling? No. So th- this is my hunch. I've never actually got an answer. I mean, initially I was told uh, the reason I couldn't. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to do a little Coles notes here and, and also have more <laughs> mad at the same time. But this this just okay. gives you an understanding of the industry. So I used to cover events for Sportsnet, as you know. And uh, when I went full time, um, I kind of parted. I, well, I did part ways with Sportsnet just because there's a lot of weird things going on there. And I, I won't get into it on air, but uh, I'll just say I, I parted ways and it was mutual and it, it was all good. But uh, so so as, as I go full time, I know Fightful had been accredited to events in the past. They covered UFC 210 uh, last year in Buffalo. So I was like, OK, cool. So I know the guys over at UFC Canada quite well. So I, I you know, I got, I got in touch with them. And I said, hey, listen. And like, I'd like to go cover this for Fightful just because, you know, I do a lot of content for them now. And, uh, you know, I, it would just make sense at this point to do it for them. So uh, initially they told me like, oh, we'll get back to you. And they initially denied me. And this is for UFC 218 in December. And they said, 
Uh, the reason was that Fightful had isn't a big enough site and hasn't been around for a year. Well, mm. they're, they're wrong about both those things. Like Fightful, I mean, in the MMA sphere, not as big as some of the other sites, but I guess pro wrestling wise, like if you look at the numbers and Sean Ross Sapp, who's a great managing editor, um, you know, he has all the data to sort of support that. The Fightful does do really great numbers. And, uh, and you know, they had been accredited before. And so I, I don't know what the issue was. There was some I, there was something between Fightful and, and the UFC that was that happened before my time. I don't know exactly what happened, but either way. I, you know, we, we pleaded with them, we talked to them, whatever. So I ended up getting approved for Detroit and they told me, basically the UFC told me that it would be in an event per event type basis as far mm-hmm. as being accredited. So I got accredited and it was all good. And I, you know, I killed it. I think I did like 17 interviews that, that, that whole week. I got guys at the hotel. I got, you know, media day stuff. I, I, you know, I did, I did basically as much as I could while I was down there. So, so it all went well. You know, Fightful was happy. Everyone was happy. So fast forward to Brooklyn at UFC 223. I asked them again. I said, Hey, I know this is an event per event type thing. You know, what are my chances? They're like, well, we're going to see what the, you know, the turnout is for this card and then we'll get back to you. So mm-hmm. I ended up applying under Flow Combat because I'm like, look, I still want to apply and make sure I'm actually going because I want to book everything. And so I can actually cover this event. So I did that. So literally they told me to get in touch like a couple weeks before I did. They didn't give me a reason. They just said, just stick with Flow Combat. That's all I was told. Now I'm going to be covering International Fight Week again this year. I've applied under Flow Combat, but I'm going to try again to see if I can get under Fightful. But I have a feeling they're going to deny me. This is my hunch. I think they don't see Fightful <laughs> as, as a big fight. And I think that when I go cover the Calgary card in July, I think they'll probably let me under Fightful. But I think I'm going to get denied for an international fight week. We'll see if I'm right. Hopefully they prove me wrong. But uh, that, that's my hunch. And don't ask me why. I just think the UFC is kind of, <laughs> kind of weird about all that stuff. So we'll, we'll just yeah, definitely. But, uh, that, the, yeah, definitely. The way you broke that down, that, that's actually very accurate for pretty much the majority of small sites. Like that's a very common, <laughs> common thing that a lot of small sites go through. Yeah, yeah, we no. went through that with latest to it. So, yeah, I feel your pain on that. <laughs> Matt, we are exactly at one hour. And, man, I can't thank you enough for doing this. This was great going down uh, memory lane and also just uh, getting a chance to talk to you. We don't we don't get to talk as much anymore just because I know we're both so busy. But uh, just remind people where they can get a hold of you on social media, uh, what you got coming up on Slip and Dip, and any other stuff you want to plug, man. The floor is yours. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I enjoy being on here, man. But uh, people can find me on Twitter at Mr. M. Wells Art, on Instagram at M. Wells Art, uh, Facebook as well. Um, obviously, the podcast at Slip and Dip, uh, Slip and Dip podcast on iTunes, Spreaker. Um, we have the YouTube videos of every episode as well, um, up as well. So you can find us there um, and follow our co host Kendrick at Kendrick Johnso. Uh, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we have another show coming up on Sunday. We have all of our shows. We try to do them on Sunday, uh, Sunday nights. Um, we try to have them up by Monday, you know, Monday morning, depending on the editing and stuff like that. Um, and uh, our guests this week, I don't think uh, we have anybody just locked in for sure. I do have a couple of guys. We're trying to go back and forth and try to get times straightened out. But, you know, I don't like to reveal the hand before you know it's time to play the cards yes. so that, that's, i've talked about this before i see people still doing this saying i'm going to talk to such and such later today don't do it you know how many yeah. times i've had situations yes. where interviews have fallen out and everything oh. uh you know i interviewed colby covington last night he was like an hour late so i mean you never know things can always fall apart and you know th- things happen i'm not throwing colby under the bus but it's just you know these things happen i mean stuff stuff comes up so yes it is- that's, that's one of the things that's another piece of advice to people out there don't don't go on twitter and be like hey i got so-and-so coming on i'm about to do this interview don't do it listen i i ran i've ran into nate diaz and nick diaz in the mgm grand just hanging out chilling me and jim walk up to them you know we we kick it introduce ourselves they give us their number and we're like, oh, snap. They're like, oh, yeah, they're down for an interview, yada, yada. We start telling people, oh, we're going to get this interview. Yeah. And I remember running into Simon Head 
right after that. Or I don't I don't know if it was Simon or someone else that said this, but uh uh no, actually it was Spencer Kite. Spencer Kite said <laughs> said uh you know when we told him we got their number, he just started laughing. And we're like, why are you laughing? You're like, did they give us a fake number? Like, no, no, it's the real number. It's definitely the real number. And he's like, well, why are you laughing? He's like, good luck getting in the pickup. (laughs) Sure enough. Sure enough. That's the thing that actually happened. So real number, but yeah, good luck with those guys. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Lynch on sports. Uh, Quick programming note next week. I'm going to be off. I don't like taking weeks off, but I don't really have a choice. I'm on vacation with my wife next week. I get one day to work next week uh, from my wife while I'm away. So, uh, and and I just don't have time with the interviews I got to do and everything else. So I should be back the week after. So uh, today is what May 3rd, I think is what I was, uh, is is on the calendar. So likely the 17th is when we'll be uh, back in action. Maybe I'll get something done in between. I don't know, but I'm not counting on it at this point. But in the meantime, lots of content up on Fightful. I did interviews with uh, Kevin lee colby covington elias theodoro um there's just a ton of content up there so just uh, you can find all my stuff on twitter at lynch on sports and you can uh, check out my channel as well uh youtube.com slash lynch on sports man thanks again for joining me and thank you everyone for watching and submitting your questions and all that and uh, we'll see you soon have a good day save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get three pound rolls of juicy 80 percent lean ground beef for 349 a pound with a digital coupon then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, body armor super drink or arizona tea for 77 cents each all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details